KEXU 96.1 FM, Paul People's Revolutionary Radio. I'm JV, and you're listening to Free Aslan. In today's show, uh, the topic is going to be white terror. And so we're going to be discussing the history of white supremacy and the future of white supremacy and that Assad responds to this uh, through history and um, other ways of organizing today. But before I get into that, I want to give some news from Aslam Press concerning, of course, the concentration camps and uh, the state's um, continuing um, use of prisoners as, as as human gladiators so they're continuing to do this, um, and they seem to be doing it on the lower level prisons, level one, level two prisons, and they're they're doing it a lot of the times to prisoners who have done a lot of time. They've done 10, 20, uh, 30 years. Uh, they're about to be released, and then um, the state will, you know, the guards will get them and throw them out on these yards. So it's a way, it's almost like a way to break them in order to uh, compel them to become informants. Uh, And and they love that because uh, informants for the state means that they gather more intel, they gather more information, and they're able to oppress more of the oppressed nation's people. They're able to repress prisoners more. They love that. So they love having other prisoners help them in their repression, uh, repressing, uh, repressing other prisoners. They, they love that. There's, there's no greater high to them than not only to repress people, but to have these, um, the people from the same community um, help them do the repressing, and they just get off on that. That's like their biggest high. So... Um, you know, this is what they're doing. They continue to do it in the concentration camps. And so uh, people and their families are continuing to organize against it. And, of course, we on the outside, um, we don't think we're, um, you know, so so far privileged that uh, we have disconnected to our loved ones and our family and our friends, our neighbors, uh, you know, our co-workers and people that we know, people on our block, people in our neighborhoods, people we grew up with, these are our people. So we'll never forget them just because um, they happen to be uh, in these concentration camps. Uh, they're, they're still our people. And, you know, some of our greatest leaders have come out of these concentration camps. Uh, some of the people's, uh, oppressed nations, people's greatest leaders have uh, come from the prisons, you know, and, and so we know that um, just because somebody is or was in these concentration camps does not make them uh, people that we are going to uh, treat as social pariahs. We're going to continue to love our people, to love our brothers, our sisters, uh, our family, and we're going to continue to be there and support them and struggle right alongside them regardless uh, where we're at, you know, th- these prison walls don't determine um, our unity with our people. And so we stand by our people and we're going to continue to struggle with our people regardless uh, where we may sleep at night. So that being said, um, you know, there's been an onslaught going on, attacks, um, you know, uh, on on. On people in general, but uh, on Rasa in particular, um, and there's been some horrific tragedies that've been occurring. Uh, you know, and and you know, I just like to say that, you know, um, you know, we gotta pay. You know, right now is a good time to pay attention to not just uh, who's um, who's raising these issues and who's. Um, uh, raising awareness about what is taking place, and, um, and but it's also a good time to um, to watch who is not, you know, because the, the, these these are good lessons. These are lessons that we may not see for many years again. You know, there may not 
you know, there may be another mass shooting, an uh, act of white terror tomorrow, but there may not be one for, you know, months or, you know, uh, at least in the area that, that we live in. Um, maybe in California, we may not see it for a while. So when these things occur, it is very good to uh, keep an eye and an ear open to, um, you know, not just who's raising awareness, but who is not. You know, and when we talk about, uh, you know, um, unity and, um, okay, so unity. Unity is when uh, one oppressed people is attacked. Uh, unity means uh, other oppressed peoples come and stand um, against this, um, this oppression. So this is going to be an educational lesson for sure. We got to pay attention um, who's um, in unity with us and who's not. And, um, and, you know, we need to um, always watch and keep a pulse on the, uh, keep a finger on the pulse of the people. And not just our particular nation, but all oppressed peoples. We have to see how strong our unity is. Is our unity strong? Is it not strong? This, these are the times when we can define that. So very important lessons coming out of this. But these attacks, you know, just to keep... You know, the general listener who may not pay real much attention to the news. You know, you, you we have the, you know, the, um, of course, the attack, the shooting in Gilroy. You know, three people killed, you know, children, young people, young person killed. Um, you know, other many people injured on that. Uh, a week later, we have 22 Rasa killed in El Paso, Tejaslan. Uh, and that, you know, every last person that was killed, 22 people, all Rasa, so all Chicano, Mexicano people, and, you know, this uh, shooter, white supremacist, he targeted this particular location because of the high population of brown people, it was right on the border, uh, Juarez, so, you know, the, this, this is all intentional, he made manifestos, he made, uh, you know, uh, posted stuff talking about, um, you know, brown people and other oppressed people. Um, and, and then we have another, um, you know, white terrorist attack uh, in Ohio where nine people were killed. So, you know, these things are coming um, back to back. These are uh, attacks. These are, this is a, a, you know, it's a concrete example of um, white supremacy, really of white nationalism, um, you know, and its last you know, gasp, um, you know, uh, of, of attempt to um, maintain its power because what's happening, uh, you know, is the white population is, um, it is, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's dying off, you know, and it's dying off. Um, the white population in general is not having uh, children um, compared to um, Rasa or the largest um, repopulating people, the ones that are having the most children, and right behind, I believe, Asian people are right behind Rasa, and um, I believe the black nation is, they're not shrinking, but they're not having children as they once were, so they're staying uh, as they are. So this is, you know, when, when we talk about the white nation, and it's actually shrinking, so, you know, they are not having uh, children, many of them, um, majority of them are no longer having children for many different reasons. And um, the rest of the population is just dying off. So um, what this uh, clearly shows is that in the next 20, 30 years, um, the white nation is going to significantly shrink. And um, as they do, um, there will be a power shift, and they see this, they study this as well, and they understand that, um, that they are in trouble. And, um, and, and this is a way um, that, uh, you know, those white nationalists, um, white supremacists are lashing out now. They see what's coming, and, um, and, and they're doing everything they can to stop it, uh, and, and at least uh, attempt to instigate um, more repression on brown people. Uh, and so, you know, we're keeping an eye on that, but 
um, you know, there is um, something to, to be said about, um, you know, our people defending ourselves. And, and so this is a question that many people, many groups uh, are, are talking about. What ways can we defend ourselves? What do we have to do? Um, and what it's going to take um, to, um, to defend ourselves in the face of these white supremacist attacks. So these are some of the things I'm going to talk about today. Um, and so, you know, but first, before I even get into that, you know, some of the listeners might be saying, well, what is white nationalism? Like, what is that? So that's very important. I'm talking about these terms and topics. So let me, you know, I, I want to clarify. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And this is what uh, Free Aslan is all about, education, uh, giving that klecha. And this is exactly what is going on. So let, let, let's get into this white nationalism. So here, and I'm going to take this... Um, I'm going to take this definition. It's it's from the glossary of the book Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan. So in the back of that book, there's a glossary, um, uh, you know, small dictionary of terms. And um, for those reading the books that come the, uh, come across a certain word and don't understand it, uh, white nationalism is one of them. So uh, here's the definition in the book Chicano Power. So it says, white nationalism, an ideology that serves the interests of the white nation to the exclusion of the world's majority, marked principally by a belief that whites or Americans deserve more wealth and resources than other peoples. White nationalism is also defined by the denial of the existence of internal semi-colonies and settler states. So... You know, when it talks about, you know, it, it's interesting because it says whites or Americans. And, and that's something important because I talked about that before on Free Aslan. And, you know, because we see a lot of brown people, a lot of black people, a lot of Asian people talking about their Americans. So let's just be clear. America means, you know, I'll translate. America means the white nation, you know, this is who founded, settled, established, created the term America. You know, it wasn't a brown person, wasn't a black person. And in their constitution, they clearly are not talking about brown or black people. You know, they, you know, um, this was and always has been um, an established white nation. So we, we have to be clear on and it's hard for many people to come to terms with that. I understand it's uncomfortable, it's a little awkward, it's a little bit, you know, and that's only because there's so many people uh, within these false borders who are uh, intermarried with many other people, etc. But that doesn't mean nothing, you know. I There's people, I have allies that are, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people, um who are just, you know, but they are activist people who are very um, clear and honest, and they are the first to say the white nation has to go. You know, it's white supremacy is just rotten to the core. It has to go. It's, it's been a poison to all oppressed peoples for so long. They will line up and be the first to say and, and to admit that they do they were born into a certain white privilege. And so these are the, the honest um, white allies that oppressed people do have, you know. And these are people who work and live their lives uh, undermining white supremacy, you know, because it is and it always has been a problem to brown and black people. That's just a fact, you know. And we can cover it up. We can, you know, be a little uncomfortable with talking about it. But... The truth is the truth, and, 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 you know, until somebody can prove otherwise um, that white supremacy has not been, um, ha has not had a stranglehold on uh, this country since its founding, uh, since the settlers founded it, um, unless somebody can prove that that isn't the case, I mean, it's the truth. So that's something that, you know... Um, many allies, real 
white revolutionary allies um, will be the first to say um, white supremacy is a serious problem and white nationalism um, is a, an extreme uh, form of terrorism that needs to be uprooted uh, anywhere we find it. So, you know, and that's just, that's, that's, that's just the way it is. So white nationalism, so we know what that is. Um, and, you know, white nationalism, uh, we can see more concrete examples of it in the forms of the KKK, the neo-Nazis, the Aryan nations, all of these groups, these militia, these white supremacist militia groups um, that train all over the U.S., mostly in Idaho area, mostly um, in, in these areas. And so, you know, but they're all over, you know, but they do have strongholds in certain pockets um, uh, around these false U.S. borders. So, you know, this is what white nationalism is. And white nationalism can never be a progressive force. Um, it, it is always a, a very... Um, terroristic entity it's it's something that terrorizes brown and black people and um and and so it would never be seen as um as a productive force ever um it would be a, an oppressor nation at all times and um and it always has been so but you know when it comes to um you know, brown and black people, you know, revolutionary nationalism is a progressive force. It's, it's something that is fighting um, for, um, you know, freedom for these oppressed peoples. And that's something that, um, that, that we strive for. And, um, you know, Free Aslan fully supports um, revolutionary nationalism of the oppressed peoples, of brown and black peoples. Um, absolutely 100%. And so, um, because the thing is, we're not going to get free from being um, executed in mass, uh, you know, willingly, you know, so um, at some point, people have to come together, struggle, find ways to defend ourselves, because we can't rely on, and we can't even rely on, you know, the police, the military, um, nobody. We've been seeing it all over, um, you know, um, we can't even walk down the street with, uh, you know, with a with a forty in our in our pocket without getting pulled over. But you got people walking to festivals with AK forty seven. So incredible. So you know, it's just you know. So this is why it's very important that we have to um, we have to defend ourselves. And so we're going to talk about different ways that people, uh, you know, people have been talking about defending ourselves. We need uh, organizations that. Um, focus solely on self-defense, you know, um, all this, you know, these organizations that do good, good, you know, good things for the community, that's fine and dandy, we need self-defense units, we need self-defense organizations that their whole entire uh, existence is for defending the people um, by any means, so this is the type of, you know, and, and, and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not um, calling for, um, you know, I think that people today who did today um, call for armed struggle like now, of course, that's not very, um, it's not a real, um, it's not based in reality because we live in, um, in the United States, a country that is, has the most, you know, advanced military in the world. So that's not going to be, you know, you get 10, 20, 30 people on the same page and they may want to take it to that level. But, you know, we're talking about um, in these borders with the most advanced military in the world and all and, and, and they would be crushed uh, completely. So I'm not talking about that. Um, however, um, it's a human right for people to defend themselves uh, in any way they can, when their life is in danger, they can use um, uh, ultimate force uh, in order to defend themselves. And people have a right to do that. And Rasa do have a right to do that. So, you know, um, people have to, but people have to train for that. People have to um, be organized for that. People have to uh, be willing to, um, to do that and to do that to the fullest and to do that 
um, should one of these mass shootings uh, erupt, you know, there has to be an organization in place who protects all events concerning Raza. And this organization, this group, has to be ready um, to, um, to stop one of these terrorist attacks. And, you know, so um, this is something that, uh, you know, um, you know, as one camarada uh, put it, you know, we're not going to stop white supremacy or these terrorist attacks through hugs and candles, you know, and, and, and that sums it up. You know, it, yeah, it's a tragedy. I know and people are crying, people are hurt, people want to come together. But the reality is we're not going to stop them, as the camarada said, through hugs and candles. So, you know, when somebody's coming through with a rifle, um, you know, somebody's going to have to do something besides, you know, um, holding a candle in their hand to stop this, this threat. Uh, these are threats. These, these, um, these terrorists pose uh, threats to the Rasa. And white supremacy poses a threat to Rasa. I mean, it, it, it always has. It always will. So... You know, it's like any other threat. We, we have to be prepared. So we have to know what we're dealing with. We have to um, have certain procedures in line. We have to have um, organizations. I think in every county, if, at the very least, every county should have an organization based solely on defending the people, defending the, the raza at, at all costs you know, at all costs. And and so we don't have that. You know, we do have organizations that do do um, certain defense work, certain um, security work, um, but they do a lot of other work. We don't need that. We need an organization that's focused solely on self-defense. Um, and we need one in every county and every state um, because white supremacy is in every county and every state. And if we continue to sit back and see attacks like this, um, I, I don't think that, you know, I, I think that history is going to judge us. Uh, and I think that history is going to judge us very um, harshly if uh, the people of our generation do not organize um, these self-defense units and um, act when necessary, you know, uh, and, and the thing about Rasa is, you know, um, people, most of us have grown up in the, in the hoods, in the barrios, and most of us have done um, so much stuff for so little, uh, you know, nobody's even attached, somebody gives us a bad look, a bad stare, and we're trying to take down the whole house this person lives in, so... Um, it should be no great leap uh, for Rasa to come together with that same passion, that same determination uh, to say, you know what, we, we need a self-defense unit and it's going to be strictly uh, to defend the people. And, and you know, and, and whether that um, whether that means um, in hand-to-hand um, -hand, uh, combat, whether that means in other trainings, um by any means necessary, uh, this unit should be dedicated solely to um, to protect the people, defend the people. And when they're not doing that, um, this this unit, self defense unit, should be in training, um, not just physical training, not just training in military tactics and um, and all of that, but also in um, theoretical training also in um, studying, and this should be, you know, one of the things back in the day when, you know, when, when, when the Panthers were getting attacked and they were, they were getting murdered, you know, the, the state was going around shooting them up, you know, attacking their headquarters, and just, um, they were murdering a lot of the, the Panthers and leaders, they were, you know, and so when they were doing this, you know, and it, it, could, it happens in every Whenever uh, people are attacked, um, this um, development occurs every single time that, you know, with the Panthers, 
when they were being attacked, they were being murdered. Their leaders were being murdered by the state. You know, the pigs would go kick their door in, go in there, shoot them in bed, shoot them dead. And they would do this. And, and so, you know, there was a group of Panthers that, you know, they felt that, you know what, and, and, and other people as well that felt that, you know, from the black nation that um, we're being under attack. And because we're being attacked, um, we need to um, we need to defend our people, and, um, and 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 this is how the Black Liberation Army was formed. You know, the Black Liberation Army was an underground armed group, and um, and they basically came about because of the attacks on the Black Nation, the senseless murders, the unprovoked murders at the hands of these white supremacists, whether the white supremacists were in police uniform or outside police uniform. Um, this is why the Black Liberation Army was formed. And, you know, and, and, and so they went to, you know, they went to battle. They, they went to battle with those who uh, were attacking the black nation. And, you know, it was in a, like back in the Civil War days where they all lined up in the street and, you know, charge, everybody charge. You know, it wasn't like that. They did strategic strikes, you know, and they, um, you know, just like the leaders of the black nation were being taken down, well, guess what? Um, the, the Black Liberation Army would strike back as well, you know, and, 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 and I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody uh, that they should do that today, but I am saying that people usually respond in this way when they are being attacked, and that's a fact. You know, it's, it's, you know, you could only um, continue to terrorize the people so long and at some point uh, the people, you know, the hunted are, are going to turn around and become the hunters. So, you know, this is something that has happened in history. We've seen it with the Black Nation, the Black Liberation Army, and, um, and it happens uh, throughout the world, you know, when, when, when people are hunted and terrorized. Um, you know, they're going to organize and they're going to strike back. And, you know, so this is something um, that, you know, I believe that is going to uh, occur at some point um, with Rasa. Um, and, you know, and, and when it does, uh, you know, um, we can't blame nobody except um, these white, the white nationalists. And, and, and you know, because people are going to defend themselves. So we're gonna what we're gonna do right now is take a short break, and then we're gonna listen to some music. And when we come back, we're going. I'm going to read a little bit from the book Chicano Power, and specifically on the chapter uh, talking about um, different forms of organizing, and this is different ways to organize in the community. So we'll be back in a minute, and we'll come back and discuss some more. Uh, on white terror. Where'd you get it from? It's in the pocket. 
This is his last speech before he no, I, 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 about a minute. I don't mind, but okay. Uh, how many minutes is that? Uh, we're two minutes before into it. It's a five minute song. Yeah, we'll let it play. Because it's only 8.30, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll that up for you. Give me a little break. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the boys, man, maybe drink water or something. Uh, yeah, that's all right. So This is uh, KEXU 96.1. For me. And this is KEXU 96.1 FM. Talking, uh, this is JB, and you're on Free Aslan. And you were you were listening to El Vu on Red Road Warrior, and and that's a, a very good song. Uh, love El Vu, and he just continues to um, create these uh, these songs and these beats to you know get the people in very good, very good rhythm. So let me just say, um, <clears throat> so I'm gonna read a little bit from the book. Um, Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan, and I'm going to read part of Section 3, The Path Forward for Emancipation, and in particular, this is the sub-chapter sub uh, called Cell Structure, Barrio Committees, and the Need for a Vanguard Party, and these are forms of organizing, and these are um, written in this book, uh, and, and, you know, and these can be applied anywhere, um, wherever people are at. So let me just uh, read from this. I think this is very timely. 
considering what's been um, taking place with our people in recent days <clears throat> and <laughs> throughout history, actually, um, you know, um, since 1836, actually, uh, when um, the United States first stole uh, Texas from Mexico. But let me go on to this. So it's called Cell Structure, Body and Committees, and the Need for a Vanguard Party. The Chicano nation should begin to build off of the socialist advancements of past national liberation movements and educate our people and prepare our barrios for future insurrection. We can apply the cell <clears throat> concept to every block, every barrio, city, county, and state. Let us revolutionize Aslan and do the work no one else has or will. The future of our nation lies in our determination for freedom and for new democracy. Look to what work to emancipate other nations and learn to modify and apply these lessons to our own circumstances. Theory is not dogma, it is to be built on and developed. If we are serious about revolution, we should be developing our political line around Aslan and we should be starting <clears throat> study groups to teach others and learn from each other on the revolutionary path forward. We are beginning to really learn about our people's history and the long path that has been cut by our many predecessors. We begin to see the way forward to liberating Aslan and taking our place in helping push the world societies to free themselves from oppression. As we develop ourselves and our nations politically, we will come to a point when a political party is necessary and essential to reaching our objective of full emancipation from the vile system of capitalist imperialism. A party is an organization that is poised to take state power. At this time in the imperialist countries, our movement is relatively weak and thus the organization of a centralized party poses significant security risks. To step around these security risks, one form of organizing that is becoming more and more popular in the United States is the cell structure. The cell structure is a locally based or internet based political organization that operates under democratic centralism. Under democratic centralism, there is full discussion and openness of political line and operational disagreements within the group. But to the public, the cell practices centralism with everyone upholding the democratic decisions of the group, even if they don't personally agree. Debate can continue behind closed doors and, and the line strategy tactics of the group can change. But these changes should only be made public after internal debate and democratic vote. We know the state wants to destroy our movement Practicing democratic centralism within a cell structure makes it as difficult for them as possible. It protects against COINTELPRO type attacks where the state exploits ideological divisions amongst the membership of an organization. We will be most effective when working with Brown Lumpen if we begin with cell organizing. Although not a political party, the cell can function as a center which exerts influence or even orders to the wider movement. A good contemporary example of this is the dissolution of the Maoist internationalist movement into various locality-based cells. MIM was an influential centralized party and in the mid-2000s faced security attacks. In order to combat these security attacks, MIM dissolved into cells. One such cell is the Maoist Internationalist Ministry of Prisons, or MIM Prisons for short. MIM Prisons focuses on organizing prisoners in the United States and leads the United Struggle from Within, a mass organization for prisoners and former prisoners. MIM Prisons is a semi-underground cell which operates under democratic centralism and provides ideological leadership for the broader Maoist movement via their newsletter under lock and key and website prisoncensorship.info. Chicano organizations can take lessons from MIM, MIM prisons, and USW 
in establishing organizations and political influence in the barrios until conditions change to require a party to step up to seize state power chicanos can organize should organize and educate cadre under the south structure the main reason for the chicano nation vanguard to organize within the smaller cell structure as opposed to the traditional vanguard party is the security advantages that are afforded to the cadre and wider movement as a whole as the Maoist internationalist movement explained in their resolution quote instructions on forming cells unquote at their 2005 congress quote we oppose having geographic cells coming into contact with each other face to face infiltration and spying are rampant when it comes to MIM, the whole strength of having a locality-based cell is that it's possible to do all the things traditional to a movement. The security advantages of calling people we know into a cell are lost the moment we slack off on security and start accepting strangers or meeting with strangers face-to-face, -face. The main purpose of forming cells is strictly for security and it does no good to have cells form for security reasons only to have them exposed to danger by meeting with strangers though mim also specifically stated in their instructions on forming cells that quote people you know well are good material for a locally based cell unquote it should be stressed that we can never know anyone well when carrying out revolutionary work when deciding with whom to form cells we shouldn't only concern ourselves with how well we know someone. Rather, the key thing to pay attention to is a person's level of commitment and political line. Our cadre cells should double as ideological centers for the Chicano movement, which should likewise be based on the type and amount of work done. Prisoners can also use a similar guideline as each prison is merely a cinder block barrio. Barrio Committees. BC should also be organized in each neighborhood. A Barrio Committee can be thought of as a locality-based mass organization, which serves as a medium between the Maoist movement and the gente. Barrio Committees are above-ground organizations that lead, serve the people programs, and build institutions of the oppressed, promoting revolutionary culture and activism. The barrio committee should consist of the most politically advanced of each barrio or lumpen organization who will work in coordination with other committees on human rights issues, progressive issues, protests, or events. Members of the barrio committee serve as popular representatives of their barrio or group and should not overlap with members of the cadre cell. The Barrio Committee should educate the Barrio and build independent institutions of the oppressed such as newspapers, websites, schools, and other projects to serve the people and mobilize our communities. Cultural leaders in the Barrio Committee will organize dances, mural projects, productions of theater, song, rap, and spoken word. Barrio Committees will organize educational projects, teaching them how to read or write, studying, revolutionary theory and political thought. Barrio committees will host uh, labor days where people come together to clean up barrio parks, rivers, remodel rundown homes, provide landscaping for elders and other free services. It is especially important for Lumpen to be organized into the barrio committees so that the divisions that have been wrought between the Lumpen and the other classes in the barrio can begin to heal and we can start to see each other as one community. Participating in and hosting Serve the People programs will help build a group mentality and trust amongst the gente. Most importantly, the Barrio Lumpen will begin to transform and become productive members of the Chicano Nation. This type of solidarity educates the people and getting our people familiar with this type of activity is far more important than the actual act itself. Eventually, we want to have complete controls of our control of our barrios and ultimately all of Aslan. That day is not today. 
However, so we want to introduce the idea of an alternative authority on a small scale at this point. Eventually, we will reach a point where committees solve problems and disputes between the people. We don't need the pigs to come into the barrios to fake like they're going to help us solve a problem. This is a task we can do ourselves, but it needs to begin with trust. For far too long, many in our communities have been oppressed by the state as well as mistreated by some lumpen element. Serving the people through organizing barrio committees will help rebuild the barrios physically and more importantly, mentally. This method of structure and operation can also be likened to the committee system within a revolutionary collective in which the higher levels of the organization, cadre cells, guide and oversee the lower levels of the organization, barrio committees. However, it's important to note that those within the cells should not openly form or be part of the barrio committee, as this would surely open them up to attack due to the fact that barrio committees will be a public presence. Another type of cell useful to us within our conditions in the first world, both for its security advantages and its stress on pushing the correct political line through scientific reasoning, is the internet-based cell. Though Mim wondered out loud the extent to which inner Net cells can challenge people to higher levels of commitment without meeting face-to-face. -face. We suspect that internet-based cells can be successful. MIMS and MIM prisons, prisoner correspondence courses, and USW cells function similar to the internet-based cell and are currently meeting higher levels of political commitment and activism, all without meeting face-to-face. Through these study groups, many prisoners develop behind bars and begin their political activism, only to be released to a mundane, lumpen, or petty bourgeois existence. Many hardline prisoners give up political work altogether once they hit the streets. Instead, these releasees, like the lumpen on the streets, should be organized into the barrio committees, thus replenishing their barrio with fresh energy. All the while that this takes place, more cells are developing all over Aslan, which continue to raise consciousness, developing programs for the committees, educating, creating revolutionary Chicano newspapers, journals, and forms of art. This is all preparing the Rasa and our barrios for conditions that will call for an actual vanguard party. This process will have to start slow, maybe even one barrio at a time, one barrio may serve as a model for others to develop on and fan out. Once we have built public opinion in the Chicano Nation and built a strong base and laid the foundation for people's power and the majority of the Chicano Nation supports the struggle, only then can a strong vanguard party lead us to emancipate Chicanos from the United States and end oppression of our people. Only then will we experience human rights and equality. We have seen what can happen when an uprising has no vanguard party leading it, as with the Paris Commune or more recently with the Arab Spring. If the Chicano Nation is to truly make that leap to winning national liberation, it will only come with the creation of a vanguard party to lead the brown masses. Our goal today is to transform social reality and shape conditions to where a vanguard party can not only survive but thrive. This will be done through hard work and building public opinion in the brown communities. The rupture with the internal colonial apparatus will only come with the creation of a nucleus of Chicano professional revolutionaries called cadre. Nothing short of this will ever be fully successful. A vanguard party is not simply the most conscious political party. It has very real responsibilities to the people. It is up to the vanguard party to const constantly undertake class analysis of society, keeping a finger on the pulse of the people. The vanguard party must fully understand the contradictions it is affecting, who the main enemy is, the primary contradiction in any area, and in this way maintain momentum, guide the movement, and properly support and lead all aspects of political work. Our vanguard party will be allied with other Maoists within the United States and around the world. 
with the ultimate aim of advancing the international communist movement and smashing imperialism in all its forms. This alliance will manifest in a united front with all who oppose imperialism, which will be needed to uproot imperialism. This alliance will manifest in a united front with all who oppose imperialism, which will be needed to uproot imperialism, and its oppression that has plagued third world peoples for far too long. National liberation struggles here in the United States will be crucial in determining the transition to socialism in North America. Being situated in territory claimed by the United States, it will not be possible to liberate Aslan under until the Americans have been weakened by the liberation from U.S. imperialism of nations across the globe. As revolutionary nationalists, we should not only build our nation, but we must also be in solidarity with all national liberation struggles of other internal colonies on, this sh on these shores. It is with these nations that we will need to work in alliance during the transition to socialism. And we must be in solidarity with national liberation struggles across the third world, which will create the conditions that allow for the overthrow of imperialism here in the United States. This united front will respect the independence of each nation, and this unity will also help mobilize and arouse the broader masses in the United States and internationally. As we become more politically conscious and as we become social scientists and communists, we begin to understand the importance of theory in advancing on the best current political line. More importantly, at some point, we will understand that practice is the only way to really validate theory. This practice must be on a large scale or in society at large, not just amongst a single lumpen organization or committee of folks setting out to prove their theory. Just as in a scientific experiment, you can't base your findings on what you or a couple of other scientists have done. It often takes years or hundreds of tests to come to a healthy conclusion. In this way, our practice will come out of applying our theory out in society at large. Barrio committees, cells, and vanguard parties all must learn from the actual results of the actual practice of actual groups of people. <clears throat> so that was a very important section of the book Chicano Power and the Struggle for Aslan. And it talked about uh, mobilizing on the ground in the barrios, in which way, you know, and it talked, one of the most important um, lessons of that subchapter was on cell structure. And, you know, cell structure allows a group, an organization, uh, you know, um, a pre-party uh, cadre organization um, to um, uh, practice security culture and to ward off uh, attacks from the state and political police. So, Cell structures are very, um, it's one of the ways, probably one of the best ways um, for any group. Um, and, and in this case, can, you know, considering the topic that, that I was speaking on in self-defense units, I think that, um, you know, any self-defense unit that arises uh, throughout Aslan uh, would probably end up using cell structure, um, the organizing method of cell structure in order to ward off from, um, you know, repression and infiltration from the state, um, keeping it small, keeping it in groups, you know, small groups, and, um, and, and, and with people that, you know, that, um, that, that are um, with no strangers, not just somebody off the street, you know, and practicing these strong security cultural measures. So, these are the ways that um, people have to organize. And, and once again, you know, um, I think that um, these attacks are going to uh, spawn um, self-defense units. Um, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, community um, groups that do good acts in the, in the, in the community. I'm talking about self-defense units, and their job is strictly... Um, defending the people, you know, anywhere the people are, any of these events, this is their job, and they don't get paid for it, they, they, they do it because they love the people that they dedicate and volunteer their time.
to defend them. And, and they're going to find ways to train. They're going to find ways to, um, to organize and to mobilize. And they're going to be well prepared. And, um, and when these self-defense units um, come into practice uh, and one of these uh, attacks occur, and when uh, the self-defense unit stops the attack, um, that will be a model for uh, other groups and organizations throughout Aslan and beyond uh, on how um, this must be done. So I hope you all enjoyed my um, show this week, you know, and um, it's unfortunate that, you know, we have to have a show talking about um, organizing in this way, um, but, you know, uh, white supremacy and white nationalism uh, leaves us no choice and, and we have to discuss this stuff that, that may make some people uncomfortable but it has to be done so you know we'll be playing paying close attention uh, in the future and um, and I look forward personally to um, seeing the development of um, these um, uh, self-defense units and um, and seeing what, um, how it affects the development of Aslan and how it raises the consciousness and builds public opinion throughout the Chicano nation. So with that being said, uh, I'll talk to you all next week and um, you all be safe and you all defend each other. Free Aslan. <laughs>